Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to jump into Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Now the context of the scripture is this. Jesus is speaking to an audience of Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders. Now, to become a Pharisee in that time and day, uh, you had to do your homework to become a Pharisee. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, historians say that you had to memorize the entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible, word for word, by the time you were 12 years old. So these guys are experts in, in Scripture. They're experts in the law. And this is where we pick up in verse 25. It says, one day an expert, come on, everybody say expert. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now this Pharisee asked Jesus, the Savior of the world, how to inherit eternal life. Not even realizing that eternal life was standing right in front of him. Who knows that Jesus is life? He is the truth, and he's the only way to the Father is through the name of Jesus. Amen? But see, that's what religion can do. Religion can blind you to the truth that's standing right in front of you. But that is why Jesus came. Amen? Verse 26, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your hearts, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor. Come on, everybody say neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked. Everybody say attacked. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed. Everybody say passed. And passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by the the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion. Everybody say compassion. He felt compassion for him. Title for this morning is compelled by compassion. Compelled by compassion. Come on, let's pray together over this service. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this house. We thank you right now that we begin to stir up the atmosphere. That God, let us be, God, open-minded, soft hearts, ready to receive from your word. God, we did not gather just for entertainment. We didn't gather just for emotion. God, we gathered, God, for an experience with your Holy Spirit. We gathered, Father, so that way chains could fall off of us. We gathered, God, so that way our eyes could be open. We've gathered today, God, not just to hear from a man, but to hear from you, God, to hear from your spirit. So have your way today, Holy Spirit. Have your way today, Jesus. 
Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in the house. We thank you for what you're doing in this environment. We thank you for breaking chains and making a way that God, your spirit, God, your will is going to take place today. In the name of Jesus, and everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. And y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of reading the word. See, when we think of a neighbor in today's vernacular and definition, when we think of a neighbor, we think of our next door neighbor, right? We think of people who live in our neighborhood. We think of people who live nearby. And, and in today's definition, that's what we look at as a neighbor. And when Haley and I first bought our house a couple years ago, we were ver very, very nervous about who our neighbors were going to be, right? Because we didn't have the best experience when we were living at the apartment because we had some, let's just say, crazy neighbors, right? We had some neighbors who love staying up late, blasting music. I always tell Haley, I feel like we're already the old couple, right? Keep it down, you know. We were, you know, hitting upstairs, you know, to keep it down. We're trying to sleep, you know. It's only like 10 o'clock, but, you know, that's late for us. But we didn't have the best neighbors, and so we, we really prayed for, for good neighbors, you know, and not only for, for us to have good neighbors, but for us to be a good neighbor to them as well. And, and so it was very important for us when we were talking to our realtor, we said, well, who's the neighbors? You know who they are, but, you know, who is our neighbors going to be? Because this is the people that we're going to be in proximity with. This is the people who we're going to live nearby and we're going to see all the time. And so it was an important question to ask, who is my neighbor? When we were talking to our realtor and when this expert in the law was talking to Jesus, he had a similar question. But there was a different definition to neighbor because neighbor wasn't just somebody who you live by. Neighbor wasn't just people who live in your neighborhood. At that time, your neighbor was your companion, was your friend. It was the people who, who talked like you and looked like you. It was the people who you would associate yourself with. That was the definition of a neighbor. So in verse 29, when the man wanted to justify his actions, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Come on, everybody say one more time, say neighbor. Who is my neighbor? See, catching this reading scripture, you kind of see right off the bat that this expert in the law has a really messed up perspective on people because he's asking Jesus not how he can be a good neighbor, but he's asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's not asking, hey, how can I be good to people? He's asking Jesus, hey, what people should I be good to? I mean, don't you see what it's kind of messed up from the beginning? That he shouldn't be searching who to be good to, but instead he should be looking at the inside of himself and how he can be good to people. So right off the bat, you can see that you know, his perspective is, is not right because really that's the perspective that everybody had at that time. In that time... When the Pharisees and they would grow up in that religion, at that time, a neighbor was defined as somebody who thought like you, as somebody who looked like you, as somebody who talked like you. That was a neighbor. And so if you didn't look like them, if you didn't talk like them, if you, if you didn't have the same beliefs as them, you weren't a neighbor. You were not considered a friend. And not only were you not considered a friend if you didn't look like them or, or talk like them, not only were you not considered a neighbor, but you were considered their enemy. You see, they grew up in a religion that Scripture actually says that as important as it was to them to love their neighbor, it was equally important and taught to them to hate their enemy. 
it was taught during that time in that in that over 2,000 years ago during that time for them not only to dislove their neighbor but for them to hate their enemy. They were taught that if they didn't look like you, then you weren't supposed to be kind to them. They were taught that if they didn't believe like you, then you weren't supposed to be kind to them. They were actually taught that if they were against you, then you, then they were their enemy and you were supposed to treat them in that way. So this is why it was so critical to ask this question to this Pharisee. This is why it was so critical to cl clarify who his neighbor was. Because if you weren't his neighbor, then you were his enemy. But who's thankful that's why Jesus came? To turn the world upside down. Because when he came to this earth, he didn't preach for us to build walls. He didn't say for us to, to build boundaries and to, to point fingers and to criticize people who don't look like you, talk like you, or think like you. No, when Jesus came to this world, he preached love. He preached grace. He preached saying, hey, you go out and be kind no matter what. That's the message that Jesus taught. And that's why he turned the world upside down. Because at that time, the world didn't think like that. How the world thought was what Scripture says in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 43. This is what they thought at the time. Jesus said to them, said, I know it's been taught to you to love your neighbor but hate your enemy. Oh, but Jesus said, but I say to you that you should love your enemy. And then he takes it a step further. He says, you should bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you, and persecute you. So let me remind you that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not supposed to be known for who we are against. We're not supposed to be known for our hate. We're not supposed to be known for our anger. We're not supposed to be known for building walls and boundaries. Instead, as children of God, we're supposed to be known for our love. We're supposed to be known for helping the hurt. We're supposed to be known for seeking out the lost. We're supposed to be known that, hey, I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and I'm going to make a difference in this world. Amen? That is what we're supposed to be known for, and that's what Jesus taught. Because really, that's what Jesus did to us. See, this world is a broken world. But because of Jesus, he made us whole. Because of the compassion that Jesus showed, he came to this world. He wrapped himself in flesh. And he said, you know what? I could consider them enemies because they are so blotched out by sin. And because they are cursed by the flesh that they have. But instead, I'm going to consider them my friend. Who's thankful that we're a friend of Jesus? He said, you are my friend. And not only that, the greatest sign of love is this. is that one friend putting down his life for the other. And Jesus did that for us. Come on, who's thankful for Jesus and what he did for us on the cross over 2,000 years ago? But in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, as we continue this story, the man said, who is my neighbor? And look how Jesus replied. It says that Jesus replied with a story. Isn't that typical Jesus? He asked him a question and Jesus said, well, let me tell you a story. But what I think what Jesus saw was not that... He could have given him this a straight-up short answer, but that really wouldn't have changed. That might have changed his mind. That wouldn't have changed his heart. So, but instead, he told him a story that went deeper than just knowledge and that would, would penetrate this man's heart. So he said he told him a story. He said a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked. Come on, everybody say attacked. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him from his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. So you remember Jesus is talking to an audience of Jews. 
So when he said a Jewish man, what he was saying is that this man believes like you. This man thinks like you. This man behaves like you. So this man would be considered a neighbor in your definition, right? He comes from the same community that you do. And now the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was notoriously dangerous. It was known for being a hot spot for debris, for you going and for you going and getting your your tires stolen, windows broken out. I remember one time Haley and I, like three times in a row, we visited Austin, and every time our window got shattered one time, the next time we went, Haley's laptop got stolen, the next time we went, the other car window got smashed out. I said, babe, we're not parking out in the public no more in Austin. No, no hate to, to Austin. But it was notorious, that road was notorious for robbery. So much so that they would actually not travel alone when they would go down that road. They would travel by convoy as a way to protect each other, as a way of strength in numbers. And so you could almost look at this Jewish man and call him foolish, which he probably was, call him foolish for traveling that road alone. And then you can almost take it a step further and say, because of your foolish decision, you deserve what happened to you. Right? You, he deserved to, to get uh, stolen from and to be left on the side of the road because that road is notorious for that. He should have known better. And see, if we're not careful, we can have that same perspective on people. We can see somebody hurting. We can see somebody in a place of heartbreak. And because we think that it's because of the decision that they made that they ended up there, we can say, well, guess what? You deserve what you got. You deserve to be on the side of the road. But we forget so quickly that if everybody got what they deserved, none of us would be here. Amen? If everybody got what they deserved, we wouldn't be in this house. We'd be messed up. Some of us would be in, in prison. Some of us would be in the grave. If we all got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here. But it's by the grace and mercy of Jesus that we're in this place today. It's by his hand that we're in this house today. It's by his mercy that we find ourselves in this place. That's why I love Jesus so much. That's why I appreciate his compassion for us so much. Because it doesn't matter how many mistakes we make, mercy is there every morning. It doesn't matter how lost we are, Jesus is still there to love us anyways. It doesn't matter how much we fail, God is still faithful to say, I'm here for you. I'm not going to leave you on the side of the road. No, just because you're there because of a mistake doesn't mean you got to stay there. I'm here to help you. I'm here to get you up. I'm here to save you. And that's what Jesus did. Come on, who's thankful for the mercies and the grace that Jesus has given us? Then Luke 10 31, Jesus says that by chance, everybody say chance. He said by chance, a priest came along. Now you got to remember he's talking to a group of Pharisees and Sadducees. And he's talking to a group of people who consider that only people who look like them and think like them and talk like them is their neighbor. And so he begins to describe a person, a priest, very similar to who they are. Very similar to what they do and what they believe. And he said, by chance, a priest came along. But says, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. But I think when Jesus said by chance, he kind of like, you know, had tongue in cheek, like saying, the Pharisees are saying, oh, by chance, a priest came along. Then it must be this guy's lucky day. Because here comes the preacher, right, to save the day. 
here comes the priest to go and to make things right because that was his job. A priest's job was to care for the hurt. A priest's job was to go out and help those who can't help themselves. And so when Jesus said by chance, they all looked at each other and said, well, here comes the hero. Here comes the priest to save the day. But instead, he passed by on the other side. And that really confused me because I began to think, why would somebody who saw such an apparent need and cry for help and whose job title describes as one to help those who are hurt, why would that person not show compassion to that man? As I began to think about his situation, I began to realize that there were hundreds of reasons why he could have convinced himself not to show compassion. He could have said, well, you know, this guy just got beaten up. Those bandits might still be there, right? You know, I don't want to go out and be in the same place as him. Or say, you know what, this could be a trap. I could go out and, and as soon as I help him up, the same bandits jump out and they rob me too. Or he could say, you know what, this guy on the side of the road, he kind of looks sick. He might have a disease. It might spread to me. I can't stop. It's better for one person to be sick than two, right? Or he could have said, I'm so busy. I'm just trying to get to Jericho. I'm an important, busy man. I have no reason to stop and waste my time. There was many things he could have done to convince himself, and I believe there was many reasons he could have convinced himself for good reasons as to not show compassion to that man. But isn't that the point of compassion? That compassion isn't supposed to be built on convenience? That compassion isn't supposed to be, hey, whatever is the easiest decision, that's going to be compassion. Or whatever is the decision that doesn't cost us anything, that's compassion. No, the opposite is true of compassion. Compassion is supposed to be deeper than it is something that's surface level. Compassion comes from a place that's deeper from our emotions. It gets, goes deeper than our humanity. Compassion comes from a place of divinity that God placed on the inside of us. Saying, this is what I have given you. And when we show compassion, it isn't supposed to be based on what is the most comfortable thing to do. It's supposed to be based on what Christ did for us. That's what scripture says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul speaking to the church in Corinth says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. Everybody say compassion. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us. Everybody say us. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that way we can comfort those. Everybody say those who are in trouble as well. Why? We receive compassion and comfort from God, and that's the reason why we should show compassion and comfort in others. Not, to, not because it's convenient. Not because it means that we can gain and get an advantage out of that. No, that's what makes you and I different. Is that we don't do things based on personal gain. We don't show compassion based on what we can come out in an advantage way. No, we show compassion because Jesus first showed compassion to us. We show compassion because it's something that's buried so deep on the inside of us that the Spirit of God has given us. And that's what makes us different. We're not supposed to show compassion based on anything else other than the love that Christ first showed us. Come on, who's thankful for the compassion that Jesus showed us? Because we were on the side of the road, but Jesus showed compassion to us. And it wasn't, let me tell you this, it wasn't convenient for Jesus either. And that's point one 
for this morning is don't let your compassion be compromised by convenience. Don't let your compassion be become so shallow because you just want to show compassion when it's convenient for you to do so. No, we're not supposed to show compassion just when it's at an advantage to us. We're not supposed to show compassion just when we get something out of it. We're supposed to show compassion because that's who we are. That's who we're called to do. We're called to show compassion. And I believe that's why the priest on the side didn't stop to show compassion towards the man because it wasn't convenient for him to do so. It wasn't convenient for him to show compassion to him. I'm sure he thought to himself, what kind of gain would I get by stopping and pausing my busy day and helping this man on the side of the road? It wasn't convenient for him. But I can also guarantee you something, that if that priest's congregation was around him at that time, that if they were having a little church march and all his people were behind him going to Jericho, I guarantee you that priest would have been the first one to say, hey, look, guys, he's on the side of the road. Let's go help him. I guarantee you he would have been the first one. Why? Because he sought something to gain out of that if that would have happened. But if we look at compassion as this moment for us to get something out of it, then that's not compassion. That's a transaction. That's not something for us to do. But we're called to show compassion even if it means we're not going to go viral on Facebook for doing it. We're supposed to show compassion even if it means nobody says thank you for doing that. We're supposed to show compassion because that's who we are. It's not about what we can get out of this situation. No, we're supposed to show compassion because that's who we are. We show compassion no matter what. It doesn't matter if we get something out of it. It doesn't matter if we don't get uh, on, on YouTube and somebody goes and interviews us and says, wow, you're so good for showing compassion. No, that's not why we do it. We do it because Jesus first loved us. We do it because Jesus shows compassion to us. We do it because that's what we're called to do, to change this world. And how we do that? Through showing compassion. Come on, if you agree with that, give Jesus a hand clap of praise today. As we continue the parable, verse 33. See, this is when Jesus really changes up the story. Because at this point, you can almost, you know, if you're thinking through the theological mindset that the Pharisees had, you could almost predict the pattern that was about to happen. Because Jesus talks about a priest. He talks about a Levite. And then you probably say, well, then Jesus is going to talk about maybe a common Jewish man. But look, Jesus changes it up. He says, then a despised. Everybody say despised. Despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. Everybody say compassion. He felt compassion for him. You see, when these Pharisees and Sadducees were listening to this story, and when they were probably saying, oh, well, now Jesus is going to say a common Jewish man came along the road, and he's the one who helped the man. But when Jesus said despised Samaritan, I believe you could have probably heard an audible gasp. Everybody said, oh, what? Samaritan? What? You see, at that time, the Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. And also remember this, Jesus was a Jew as well. That's why the woman at the water, at the well, was so confused when Jesus asked for a drink. Because she said, don't you know that you are a Jewish man, and I'm a Samaritan woman? We're not even supposed to talk to each other. We're not supposed to acknowledge, matter of fact, we're supposed to hate each other. What are you doing talking to me? Because at that time, the Jews considered Samaritans half-breeds, lesser than themselves. People who broke the covenant with God because they married outside of that 
out, out of that culture and nationality. And so they looked at the Samaritans as half-breeds and, and they rebuked them and despised them. And the Samaritans didn't like the Jews either because they said these guys think they're all it, right? And so the Jews didn't like the Samaritans and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. They were, they were supposed to be enemies. Now the two previous travelers were on the road, you know, they were supposed to be neighbors to the man, but the man who was supposed to be the enemy was the one who was a neighbor. The man who was supposed to have every reason of saying, oh, that's a Jew. I bet you he doesn't even want me looking at him. I bet you he would, be, he would, he would not even want me to touch him. But the man who was supposed to be the enemy was the neighbor. Why? Because I believe he had compassion. See, the other two walked by, and they could have changed what they were doing but I think they walked by that man and they were complacent with the situation they walked by that man on the side of the road and said you know what it just is what it is it's unfortunate but this road is notorious for people getting robbed for people getting beaten and bruised so you know what it just is what it what it is this probably happens every day on this road and they were complacent with that they were complacent with the reality that bad things happen and there's nothing that they can do to make them better. They were complacent with the reality that it's this is the way it is. And if we're not careful, we can take on the same perspective and become complacent with the way things are. Because I've heard it say so many times to me, saying, well, you know, it's just the end times. You know, things are crazy right now. But scripture said it was going to be crazy. So I guess it's just the way it is. Just because things are bad doesn't mean that things can't get better. Doesn't mean we should be complacent with the hurt that we see. Doesn't mean we should be complacent with the pain that we see. Doesn't mean we should see somebody on the side of the road and say, well, there's millions of people on the side of the road. What difference would it make for me to help one of them? And they become complacent. And if we're not careful, we can become complacent Christians. And saying, you know, all the things that are going on in the world, it, it's, it's, it's the way it is. And, and although I know the world is broken, we become complacent and comfortable and say, you know what? And then we become numb to the needs that surround us. I hope I never get to the point where I see somebody in need and I've walked past them because I'm complacent with what I am and with what's going on in the world. But I hope when I see somebody in need, I don't feel complacency, but I feel compassion. Because, see, that is what the man, that's what the Samaritan man felt. He looked at the guy on the side of the road, and he could have been complacent with the situation, but instead he felt compassion for him. And he said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to help this man. I could just leave the way that things are, but no, I'm going to be the change. Everybody, everybody say change. I'm going to be the change that I want to see. So many times we can see things go wrong and say, I wish those were right, not realizing we have the power to change. We have the ability through the Spirit of God to make things better here on earth. Matter of fact, that's what we're supposed to do as sons and daughters of God. Not be complacent with the way things are. Not saying, well, I'm just a pilgrim, right? I'm just going to be here for, for a little bit, then I'm going to heaven. So it's okay if this world goes to hell, right? No, we're going to say, I'm not going to be complacent. I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to look at the people around me. I say, there might be somebody lost, but I have compassion that they are going to be found. I'm going to go out and I'm going to reach people through the love, through the, be the hands and feet of Jesus. Why? Because that's what Jesus has called us to be, compassionate. Amen? He's called us to go out and not be complacent. Let me tell you this. 
The enemy isn't afraid of a complacent Christian. Because you might say, well, they might have all the tools, but they don't feel the need to use them. They might have Jesus on the inside of them, but they're too comfortable to go out and inconvenience themselves to help those who are hurt. But you know who the enemy is afraid of? A compassionate church. A compassionate Christian. A Christian that says, I'm not going to just leave the way things are, but no, I'm going to leave things better than what they are. I'm not just going to enter a room and see people hurting and say, well, that's just the way it is. No, I'm going to say, hey, how can I help you? How can I, how, what, how can I pray for you? How can I make a difference? Why? Because that's what compassion is all about, having passion for people and saying, I want to go out and I want to make a difference. Because even if it means one person says yes to Jesus, then it was all worth it for me to go outside of my busy schedule, to inconvenient myself and to make a difference. That's what we're we're called to do. That's point two for today. Is that compassion breaks us out of our complacency. Compassion breaks us out of our comfort zone. There's been many times, I know you probably experienced this as well. I'm in a hurry, much like the priest and the Levite. I'm trying to get somewhere. And as I'm driving down the road, I see somebody in a broken down car. And I'm saying, somebody else is going to help them, right? Right, somebody else is going to stop and help them. But then I feel that pull. You ever felt that pull before? I feel that pull. I'm saying for some reason, I feel like it's my responsibility to stop and help this person. It's my responsibility to see a need and say, you know what, I'm here to help. It's my responsibility, and that's what compassion is. It breaks us out of our comfort zone. It breaks us out of our complacency. It breaks us out of thinking I'm too busy or I have too many things to do or I don't have enough time to help. No, what compassion says is that set all those things to the side. Pick up your duty that you have in Jesus Christ and say, you know what, it is my responsibility to make a difference in this world. I don't care what my schedule looks like. I don't care the agenda I have on my day. My number one responsibility is to go out into the world and to make a difference. That's my responsibility. That's what we're called to do. And that's why God gave us compassion, to break us out of our comfort zone. That's why I thank God for him giving us compassion because there's been many times where I've gotten comfortable and complacent. But then the compassion of God begins to boil up on the inside of me, and I begin to realize, and when I see somebody who is hurting, there's been times where, where I just begin to just driving down the road, and all of a sudden God drops a, a person in my mind, and all of a sudden compassion begins to swell, and I begin to pray for that person. Or, oh, I'm driving, or I'm going, and went out my day, and then all of a sudden God begins to, to lead me by compassion to make a difference. And that's what compassion is supposed to do, to break us out of our complacency. To break us out of our routine. And that's why I'm thankful for the house that we're a part of. Because let me tell you this about Riverside Church. We're not a complacent church. We're not a church who's just comfortable to leave the things the way they are. And to say, hey, let us just worry about the people in these walls. Let us just worry about people in our comfort zone. I don't want us to step out and, and inconvenient ourselves. No, we are a compassionate church. We're always going to have a heart to help the lost. It doesn't matter how large we give. 
we're always going to have the same love for the lost. It doesn't matter what goes on. We're always going to say, you know what, let's go seek. Let's go help. Let's go out and help people who need it. That's why I love Riverside Cares because we have an outreach ministry that has blessed thousands and thousands and thousands of people's lives in this, in this community. Why? Because we have compassion. We could choose just to be complacent. But God didn't call us to be a complacent church. He called us to be a compassionate church. Come on, if you're thankful for this house, come on, give Jesus a praise break. If you're thankful for this house. We're almost done. Luke 10, 34. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged. Everybody say bandaged. And bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn. We took care of him. And the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care. Everybody say care. Take care of this man. Somebody he didn't even know. Somebody he probably didn't even talk to. I'm sure, you know, scripture doesn't say if he was passed out or unconscious. But he said, take care of this man. That, that can only come out of a heart of compassion. He said, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Hey, that's how you really know you're showing compassion if it affects, okay, everybody just get ready. If it affects your wallet, right? Because everybody's willing to show compassion sometimes. But I say, oh, wait, that's my Netflix money. Hold up. I told Haley that before. I said, babe, if you get Waterbury one more time, that's Netflix. But that's how we really know. And I'm saying, I'm the one who's always going to Chick-fil-A and she's getting mad at me for it. Because I saw her in the back, she's like, fuck you. Um, but that's how you really know God's tugging at your heart. Because you're saying, I don't care what the price is. I'm not doing this for convenience. I'm doing this because of the compassion that I have on the inside of me to make a difference. To help those who have been hurt. To help those that are lost. And I believe what happened with this Samaritan man is that he's walking on the road. This man, and they're considered themselves enemies. But he's walking on the road. And he saw a man broken and beaten on the side of the road. Left for dead. And he looked at that man. And I believe he looked at him. And he saw himself in that man. Because he knew what it was as a Samaritan to be an outcast. He knew what it meant as, as, as a Samaritan to, to be looked at as less and to be passed by and to be thought of as somebody who wasn't worthy of the same kindness that everybody else gets. And so he looks at that man at the side of the road and he says, I see myself in that man and his heart swelled with compassion. And he said, I'm going to help him because I've been broken before. And I'm going to help him the way I hope somebody helps me. I'm going to be compassionate to him the way I hope somebody is compassionate towards me. When I'm lost, when I'm broken, when I am crying out for help, I hope people don't pass me by. So guess what? I'm not going to pass him by because I see myself in him. And I'm not going to blame his situation on his mistakes. I'm not going to blame his situation on saying, well, you should have been smarter. You should have traveled with a convoy. No, 
because we've all made mistakes. We've all done what was wrong. We've all been in a place, all at the fruition of the things we did wrong. But that is why we're supposed to go out and say, even though you've made a mistake, it doesn't mean that you're not worthy of compassion. It doesn't matter. It mean that you're not worthy of my love. I'm going to be kind to you. Not because you deserve it. If we were only kind to people who deserve it, none of us would be kind to each other, right? We're all broken and beaten up people. But that's not why we are kind to people because they deserve it. We're compassionate to them. Because as a child of God, as, an, as a person made in the same image that you and I are made in, it guarantees them the same compassion that Jesus first gave us. And so that's why we're compassionate. Because Jesus instructed us to. Because that's what Jesus said. He said, when you look at others, treat them the way that you want to be treated. He said, when you look at others, see yourself in that person. And that's what he says in Matthew 25, verse 40. He's, he's telling an audience of people. He says, I tell you the truth. That when you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. Jesus said, when you help the poor... It was like you were helping me. When you help somebody who was hurting, look at it like you're helping me. When you see somebody on the side of the road and you help them, look at it like you're helping me. Why? Because they are in the image of God. They are made as sons and daughters of God. And that's why we have compassion. Because Jesus first showed compassion to us. You know, and that's why I think Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say love your neighbor and yourself, right? Some people get confused. I love them and I love them. No, love your neighbor as yourself. See yourself in your neighbor and say, how would I want to be treated if I was in their situation? How would I want to be treated if I was left on the side of the road? Would I want others to pass me by? Would I want others to leave me right left for dead? Or would I want people to show compassion, to pick me up, to bandage me, to help me, to nourish me? And this Samaritan even went a step further. He put out his wallet and said, hey, if this is not enough, charge me next time. That's compassion, amen? And that's what compassion does for us. Is that it allows us to display the character of the ultimate good Samaritan, Jesus. It allows us to display the character of what Jesus has called us to display. Because really the parable of the Good Samaritan is just a foreshadowing of our Good Shepherd. Because we were all broken and left on the side of the road. We were all in a place locked down by sin. We were all in a place to where if nobody would have showed compassion, we would still be beaten and bruised and left for dead. But Jesus looked at us from the comfortability and convenience of heaven. He looked down and said, you know what? I see that my people broken. I see my people lost. I could stay up here, but instead I'm going to have a heart of compassion for my creation. And so I'm going to go down, wrap myself in flesh, walk among them, teach them and instruct them. And not only that, I'm going to pay, take it a step further and pay the price that they can't afford. And I'm going to pay myself up on the cross. Because, you know, the Roman soldiers isn't what hanged Jesus on the cross. It wasn't because Jesus felt like, well, I have no other choice. No, compassion put Jesus on that cross. Jesus said, I have so much compassion for my creation. I'm willing to pay the ultimate price for them. 
I'm willing to pay the price that I know they can't afford. And because of that, now you and I can enjoy the eternity in heaven, can enjoy the spirit of God. Why? Because Jesus showed compassion to us. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm not willing. I'm not going to just watch him and leave them left for dead. No, I'm going to come back for my creation. I'm going to rise them up again. I'm going to revive their souls, rise up the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. And so that way they can be somebody who I've called them to be. And that's why God has given us compassion. And so we can display the character that Jesus first displayed to us. Amen. So if you believe that, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. You can stay into your feet. I'm closing. I'm closing. Verse 36. Luke chapter 10. It says, now which of these three, he's talking to the Pharisee, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Everybody say mercy. He says, the one who showed him mercy. Isn't it funny? He couldn't even say Samaritan. He said, well, that person who showed mercy. But then Jesus said, yes, now go. Everybody say go. And do the same. Go and do the same. Now, I don't think Jesus was being sarcastic in that moment. I don't think he was telling him, now go and do the same because you can't right? No, but he, he began to see the understanding that that man was receiving. There's no sometimes we can give him a hard time, but if you look at scripture, he answered the two questions that Jesus asked him correctly. He answered correctly about the question of eternal life, and then he answered it correctly about who was the neighbor. And so I think Jesus was looking at him and said, even though he's, he's restricted by religion, and even though he's not perfect yet, I see and begin to understand that it's through compassion that we make a difference in this world. That it's through compassion that we're able to help those who have been hurt and love those that's been lost. And he begin and he tells that man the same thing that he tells you and I. He says, now go and do the same. Go and do the same. And I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this question, but I ask myself the question when I read that is say, God, well, how do I go and do the same? I'm not perfect. None of us can be perfect. All of us have made mistakes, but how do I go and do the same as the good Samaritan? How do I really make a difference? And I believe that's why Jesus gave us compassion. Because sometimes we are in search for direction. So we want to make a difference, but what direction should I go and and something I tell people all the time, they're saying, well, Pastor Caleb, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I should do. I'm trying to figure out who I should help. I said, what are you compassionate about? What are the things that pull on your spirit, man? What are the things that you see? And if you feel that compassion, use that as a direction. I believe Jesus almost has given us compassion to be used as a compass. I have this compass that I bought late last night at Academy. Shout out to Academy. You ever look at me? I didn't, all I had was a compass. Like, you going camping? Nope, I'm preaching. All right, in the name of Jesus. And he one day. But a compass is supposed to give us direction. That's, the, that's what it's supposed to do. And I think that's what compassion does for us. It gives us direction. That when we feel that pull on the inside of us, I know we've all felt it. 
because we all feel it. But when we feel that pull, when we see somebody on the side of the road, or when we see that pull, when we see somebody in the back, right, crying, when they're back, seeing that there's something wrong, and we feel that pull to go and make a difference, that's God giving you direction. That's Jesus saying, guess what? That compassion you feel, use it as a compass to make a, a difference in this world. If you feel a compassion when you see somebody and is hurting, don't deny that compassion. Don't look back and say, man, I missed it. I missed out on making a difference because I was too worried about my schedule. I was too worried about stepping outside my convenience. No, that's what compassion does. It gives us direction. But compassion should also challenge us on the inside and say, you know what? I might have to fight off my flesh. I might have to do something outside my comfort zone. But I know that the, on the other side of obedience to the Holy Spirit, that's where transformation is at. On the other side of obedience to the Holy Spirit, that's where restoration is at. On the other side of being obedient to the compassion I feel, that's when I know I can make a difference in this world. Why? Because I'm not doing things so that way I can get an advantage out of it. I'm not doing this so I can get a gain out of it. No, I'm doing this because I want to make a difference for Jesus. I'm doing this because I want to see this hurting world be helped. I'm doing this because I see so many needs and hurts around me. You want to know why you see all those needs and those hurts? You want to know why you notice them so easily? You want to know why? Because that's compassion pulling on you. Saying that there's a need and you have the tools to help them. There's a hurt and you have the bandages to help them. There's, there's somebody, there, that person that you're thinking of right now saying, I wonder how they're doing. Uh, that person who you're thinking of saying, well, I wonder how they are going to be helped. Maybe it's our responsibility as the church and hands and feet of Jesus to not just to go out and hope that there's help, but to be the help. And say, I'm going to put action to my love. I'm going to put action to my prayers and through compassion that is love in action. I'm saying, I'm going to step outside my convenience and step outside my comfort and I'm going to help them. Why? Because I want to make a difference in this world for Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe that, give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. I want to close with this thought. It's that compassion is our compass. Everybody say compass. Compassion is our compass to display His character. Compassion isn't meant for us to bring glory to our name. Compassion isn't for us to build up likes on Instagram. No, compassion is for us to display the character of Jesus Christ. Compassion is for us to show this hurting world that there's a better option. To show this hurting world that there's a better way. To show this hurting world that it isn't humanity, it isn't people, it isn't politics, it isn't money, it isn't possessions that's going to make you whole. It's the love of Jesus Christ that's going to make you whole. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to give you strength. It's the, it's the touch of Jesus that's going to heal your wounds. We are supposed to be the hands and feet to display that. And how do we display God's character? It's through compassion. Come with every head bowed and eyes closed. I just want to pray right now. God, stir up our compassion right now.
God, if we've been, God, trying to, God, inhibit our compassion, if we've been trying, God, to mute or we've become numb to the leading and to the compassion you place on the inside of us, God, right now we break every barrier. We break, God, every mindset. We break, God, if there's any prejudice, whatever it is, God, we break it. That we are supposed to show compassion to all people. We're supposed to, God, be kind to all people, not just our neighbors, not just the people who look like us, talk like us, think like us. No, we're supposed to be kind to everybody, even the people who persecute, even the people who gossip, even the people who says they don't deserve my compassion. No, we show compassion because Jesus first showed compassion to us. It's not a response to man's actions. It's a response to the love of Jesus. So God, stir up the compassion in us right now. And Father, we thank you right now for breaking walls, breaking boundaries, God. If there's anybody on our heart, God, if there's a son out there, a daughter out there, if there's anybody, God, who we need to show compassion to, right now, Father, begin to stir it up, God. Stir up our faith. Stir up our obedience. God, stir up our strength right now that we are here to be your hands and feet. We are here to make a difference. We are not going to be a complacent Christian. We are going to be a compassionate Christian. We're going to be somebody who goes outside our comfort zone, who goes outside the walls of convenience and say, I'm here to make a difference for Jesus. I'm here to make a difference for Jesus Christ. I'm here to help the hurt. I'm here to love the lost. I'm here to help those who think that there's no way out. I'm here to help those who have been left behind on the side of the road. God, give us compassion today in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on, why don't we just sing just a little bit? Come on, sing a song together. Lift up your hands to Jesus and say, Father, stir it up on the inside of me. Stir it up on the inside of me. Come on, give Jesus. Come on, worship. Give him praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.